All right, like Billy said, we are in Ephesians chapter 6. We're in our Kingdom Family series. And uh, before I begin, I just want to give credit where credit is due. We're talking about spiritual warfare, armor of God. So much of what I have learned over the years about demons, about spiritual warfare, and some of the stuff I'll be sharing today, I've learned from Britt Merrick, who founded Reality Cart. So I just want to say thank you to him. Uh, I feel indebted to him for his faithful preaching and commitment to God's word over the years. Um, also, I want to say thanks to Reality Cart because I stole something from them this week, and I'm going to put it on stage. Uh, this is... <laughs> so, uh, don't tell them. <laughs> They'll be all right. I'm just kidding. They know. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have this as a, a visual for the next several weeks. Shout out to Neil Perro, who painted this several years ago. He goes to Reality Ventura now. All right, Ephesians 6, I'll be reading and preaching from the New King James Version this morning. We're looking specifically at the beginning of verse 14, but let's start in verse 10 just for some context. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, everyone just say, finally. It's been two and a half years that we've been in Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We looked at all this last week. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand, and here's our, our verse for today. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. This is the word of God for us today. Uh, Brian, while I'm praying, would you mind grabbing the little windsock? I, this microphone's gonna drive me crazy. Let's pray together. It's on my desk, by the way, Brian, in that uh, little zippy thing. Lord, thank you for your word. We recognize that we find ourselves in uh, such a wild time in this country and in this world. Even this week with the election coming in a couple of days, there's so much division across the nation, even within the church. Many of us uh, feeling overwhelmed by anxiety for a slew of reasons, including maybe what may or may not happen on Tuesday or this coming week. Lord, we bring all of that with us today. We don't try to leave it at the door, so to speak. We just bring it with us. And we bring it to your word today. And we ask that you would speak to us and minister to us like only you can. Only you can bring comfort to our hearts today. Thank you for every person here. I'm mindful that there are some who are wholeheartedly pursuing after you. We ask that you would give us great tools today. We realize that there are some who are far from you today for a slew of reasons. We ask that you would draw those back to yourself or to yourself for the first time where they can find hope in who you are. 
We ask that you would speak to us now. We ask that you would anoint me and my lips and my thoughts to communicate clearly your heart and the truth of your word. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, thank you. So Paul the Apostle, hold on, I'm sorry. Wow. Do you realize how hard it is to look at something that's that close to your face? (laughs) Paul the Apostle is uh, writing this letter from a Roman prison. He was in prison for his faith, right? And so he's pulling from imagery, most likely, of the Roman soldier who was right outside of his prison cell. And uh, as he does that, he tells us to be armed for the battle that we are in. What is fascinating, though, and we must catch this, is that although Paul was in a physical prison and he had been physically persecuted, put in prison by physical people, is now guarded by a physical Roman soldier, he says, but you need to know that this war is not against flesh and blood. It is not against people. Billy taught this last week, but it is worth repeating. People are not the object of our warfare. People are, in fact, the object of God's love. The war, verse 12 tells us, we saw this last week, is against principalities and powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in high and low places. It's talking about demonic forces in the spiritual realm. It's talking about Satan himself. That is who our battle is against. It is a spiritual battle. And the armor necessary for that spiritual battle is spiritual in nature. Today, we're talking specifically about the belt of truth. Before we get into the specifics about the belt, though, I just want to make a few statements about the armor in general that are critical for us to know. First, we need to know that the armor is God's armor. Billy mentioned this last week. The armor is God's armor. Can you just say, it's God's armor? We are in war right now in a spiritual battle, and the war cannot be fought or won without the power and armor of God. The previous verses that we just read said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. That last phrase, put on the armor of God, literally translated should say, put on God's armor. It is his armor and it is critical, guys, that we do not hear God saying to us in the battle, you be stronger, but that we hear him saying, I am strong. You be dependent on me. That is where your strength comes from. Secondly, to take a page out of Brit's book, we need to know that the armor is metaphorical, not magical. Okay, Paul is using powerful imagery here, but it is Imagery, And here's why that's important. Prayer is obviously a critical part of our uh, spiritual battle and what we use to battle against the enemy, as we'll see in verse 18. But we don't just pray, Lord, give me the shield. And then like a shield magically appears in the spiritual realm and the devil's like, oh no, they got the shield. What are we going to do? Right? That's not how it works. We don't just pray the armor on, uh, so to speak, as I've heard some people uh, say. Every piece of armor represents a spiritual reality that is necessary for the spiritual battle. To put on the armor means that we appropriate those spiritual realities to our lives, which is the next quick point about the armor in general. The armor must be appropriated in order to be effective. 
in order for the armor to do its job, we must apply those spiritual realities to our lives and utilize them. Listen, the armor does us no good to look at cute paintings of it or to talk about it or even pray about it. We must appropriate it to our lives. Today, we'll talk about how to do that specifically with the belt of truth. And lastly, uh, in regards to the armor as a whole, we need to know that the armor points us to and is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Everything about the armor points us to the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. So then when we talk about, for instance, uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace, we can't divorce it from the fact that Jesus is our peace. Today, as we'll look at the belt of truth, we can't separate it from the fact that Jesus said, I am the truth. The armor is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. As we are clothed with Christ, as we take on Christ, we are clothed with this armor. All of these elements are symbolic of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we must know, guys, that Jesus is our hope in the midst of the spiritual battle against forces of wickedness in the spiritual realm. So the armor is God's armor. It is metaphorical, not magical. It must be appropriated in order to be effective. And the armor points us to and is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And such is true with the belt of truth, which we are looking at today. Verse 14 again, stand therefore having girded your waist, put on, strapped on your waist with truth. The belt is a metaphor of truth. And as we see it as such, we need to understand how the belt functioned first for uh, the Roman soldier in order for us to kind of understand how it functions spiritually in the life of the believer. There's a reason that Paul mentioned the belt first, because the belt was paramount. Before a soldier would put on all of this other gear, he would strap on the belt. The belt then served as a place to which the breastplate, okay, that thing that's going up to his shoulders and down, would have been attached. The bronze mitra, it's called, those bronze chains that hang down, would have then attached to the belt to cover the groin area. Very important in the middle of battle, right? And his word and dagger would have hung on the belt. Everything was connected to, catch this, and hung on the belt. And so when we're talking about a spiritual battle, we need to know that everything is connected to and hangs on the truth, the belt of truth. We also need to know that the belt was not a dinky little fashion belt. It was like a, a weightlifter's belt, right? Thick, rigid, and it provided spore, uh, support to the soldier's core. You ever seen those big like weightlifter belts or maybe you've, you've used a back brace when you're moving somebody? It's that same kind of thing. Likewise, the truth, the belt of truth, strengthens the core of our being. It really does. It has the ability. God's truth has the ability to strengthen the core of our being, which is why the psalmist, when he felt like, quote, his soul was melting away. How, how emo was the dude who wrote Psalm 119? His soul was melting away with sorrow. What did he do? He asked God to strengthen him by his word, to strengthen him with the truth. Next, because the breastplate only went down so far, the belt was not only necessary for holding everything together and for strengthening the soldier, but also for covering the exposed parts of the abdomen and back that the breastplate couldn't reach. The Holy Spirit says to us today, church, through the pen of Paul, the belt of truth, the truth, protects the exposed and vulnerable places in the life of the believer. 
We all have vulnerable places in our lives, a chink in the armor, if you will. That is where the enemy likes to attack. And the belt provided ease of freedom and movement as well. You ever wonder where that phrase came from? Gird up your loins. It's from here. This is where that phrase is from. The belt was used to grab the, uh, the, the long garments that would have impeded the soldier's movement and tuck them into the belt. They, the, the belt provided ease uh, and freedom of movement for the soldier. Listen, we need to know today that the truth sets people free, right? The truth, the belt of truth provides freedom in the life of the believer on every single level. So this is how the belt functioned for the soldier practically. And this is how uh, the truth functions for us spiritually. Now, as we look at the armor of God, we need to know that every piece of armor uh, guards us against a different scheme of the enemy. You might've caught it already, but can, can somebody just say to me what scheme of the enemy the belt of truth protects us from? Lies. Lies. The belt of truth protects us from giving into lies. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, tell you why I emphasize that phrase a little bit later. Referring to Satan, listen, y'all need to know who your enemy is, okay? We need to know who our enemy is. Referring to Satan, Jesus said about him in John 8, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, listen to this, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Can somebody just say, the devil is a liar? In the same way that Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie, it is impossible for Satan to not lie, deceive, or somehow distort the truth. It is who he is. In fact, he is the source of all lying and deception, and he will use every kind of deception to bring us down, misdirect us, or distract us. Why does he use lies and deception? Because they work. To take a page out of The Art of War, Sun Tzu's book, He says, all war is based on deception. It's the part of the war movie that you get excited about. You're like, oh, they totally tricked them, right? You see that all the time. They send them somewhere else, misdirect them. All war is based on deception. Listen, the enemy knows this. He's been around way longer than you. He's more cunning than you. He's practiced more than you. He's figured out how to do stuff. Everything the enemy does comes back to deception. He knows that this works, and so he uses it to his advantage in the life of the believer, And listen, we need to know this, that it won't always be an outright blatant lie. Like you don't get this thought and then it says like, by the way, that's a lie. Try not to get, right? You don't get the FYI on that. It will not always be an outright lie. In fact, Satan will often simply misuse or twist the truth in order to deceive us. Isn't this what he did with Jesus in the wilderness? Satan spoke the truth. He said, it is written, but he misused it and twisted it in order to try to deceive Jesus. He did the same thing with Eve in the garden. He said, didn't God say? And then he quoted what God said, but then added a little bit extra, which totally distorted what God was actually meaning when he said that to Eve and why he was saying it. 
which is our next point. Satan will use speculation and imagination. That's what happened with Eve there. He caused her to be speculate. Well, yeah, did God really mean that? You need to know that when you begin speculating and imagining what other people are saying or thinking or what is happening with that situation, you're having to fill in all the blanks that you may be stepping into a trap of Satan. Because speculation and imagination, they really are the realm of the enemy. Satan will often also use confusion and misdirection. It's really important, guys, that we know that God is not the author of confusion. I had to learn this at a really young age, and I have learned to identify the work of the enemy often, especially in relational conflict, when everything starts becoming super confusing and convoluted and you can't even keep all the facts straight. It's just like, I've learned that, like, this smells like Satan. This is the stench of Satan. And he uses misdirection as well. It's the idea of, if you've ever heard of it, the ghost armies in uh, the World War II that the United States used partly in order to defeat uh, the Nazis. Our, Our military impersonated other allied armies using things like inflatable tanks and sound systems that replicated the sound of real tanks and real radio transmissions so that Nazi Germany wouldn't know who the real enemy was. The enemy will do whatever he can, our enemy, Satan, will do whatever he can in order to convince us that someone else or something else is actually the enemy when it was him all along. Guys, this is why Paul so strongly urges us by the leading of the Spirit. People are not the enemy. They are the object of God's love. Can you just say people are not the enemy? Just say out loud, the devil is the enemy. And these lies and deceptions will generally show up in two ways. First, they will come from an outside external source, right? Through a a person, maybe someone who even teaches behind a, a pulpit, social media, the media. And often they're so close to the truth that you may not even realize them or recognize them as a lie yet. We need to remember that just like those U.S. troops disguised themselves, so Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The other way that the lies will show up is they can show up internally as our own thoughts. You ever had a thought pop up in your mind and just assume that it's your own thought? It must be okay because it came from in here, in here but maybe it's not. Remember the story with Peter in Matthew 16 when he told Jesus that Jesus would not need to go to the cross and suffer? And Jesus responded to him how? He said, get behind me, Satan. And then he said, you are not mindful. You are not mindful, it was happening in his mind, of the things of God, but of the things of men. What was happening was the enemy, Satan, had planted an idea in Peter's mind and he had no clue. The devil is a liar and a massive part of how he attacks us is through deception, confusion, misdirection, and speculation. But God gives us armor to protect us from the lies of the devil sinking in. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. 
The belt of truth protects us from giving into the lies. I want you to, I said that very carefully. I want you to catch that. The, I want me to catch this. The belt of truth protects us from giving into the lies. I didn't say that the belt of truth protects us from the lies coming. It doesn't protect us from lies being spoken. We can't prevent the lies from coming, but we can prevent those lies from taking root in our lives. We can't prevent the battle, but we can be victorious in it. How? Well, victory over the lies comes when we appropriate, remember we gotta appropriate the armor, appropriate the truth to our lives. Guys, it's not enough to just know that there is truth. It's not even enough to just like read it and believe it. We must appropriate it, apply it to our lives. We must utilize it. We must make it true for us so that it starts to come out of us and we start to live like it's actually true. How do we do that? Well, first we gotta go to the source of the truth, okay? Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. But Jesus said in John 17, right before he, he died, he's praying to the Father for us. And he says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. Somebody say, read your Bible. You guys didn't say it. Somebody say, read your Bible. God's word is truth. Listen, the written word of God, the Bible, connects us to the living word of God, Jesus, who is the truth. You want more of Jesus? Get more of his word. By reading, receiving, and reciting the truth of God's word, we can resist the lies of the devil. And James 4, 7 says that when you resist the devil, he will flee. He will flee from you. There is power when we receive, read, and recite the word of God. Listen, we got to read it, right? We got to like take it in or, or hear it. And then we got to receive it. That means we got to believe it. We got to like appropriate it to our lives. But then we got to sing it or speak it out. There is power in the verbal proclamation of God's truth. Isn't this what we see Jesus doing in the wilderness? It, it, Jesus knew the truth. He believed the truth, but he didn't just bank on, well, the devil's lying to me. That's a lie, so I'm just gonna stand on this truth. No, he spoke back with his mouth the truth at the devil, right? And there's power in the verbal proclamation of the truth. Now, let me be clear that when I say we can resist the devil with the truth and he will flee from us, then I'm not talking about like your truth or like her truth. <laughs> I'm not talking about subjective truth. I am talking about the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what his word says about who he is and about who we are. That truth guards us from giving in to lies and deception. I'd like to point out that uh, unlike the sword, which we'll get to a little bit later, the belt and the rest of this armor was not something that was intended to just be like thrown on really quick. Like someone knocks at the door and is like, the enemy's coming. And it's just like, and you just throw everything on. No, it was meant to be put on before the battle began. The armor needs to be put on before the attack comes. You know, it's, it's awesome that 
we could see a big old bonfire burning wood and go and get some water and dirt and throw it on that and the fire will go out. But unfortunately, some of the damage to the wood is already done at that point, right? On the flip side, had you wet that wood with water and dirt beforehand and then tried to light it, that spark would not have ignited that pile of wood. Girding ourselves with the truth before the attack comes prevents that flame from igniting, prevents the lie from sticking, if you will, which is why the previous verse says, take up the armor of God. That's the present tense. Take up the armor of God right now so that you may be able to, future tense, withstand in the evil day. In other words, we can't afford to wait until we're under attack to appropriate the truths to our lives. This is why it is so important that we read and receive and recite scripture every single day into our hearts, out of our minds, out of, or in our minds and out of our mouths. Now, some of you are like, well, dude, then it's too late for me, bro. I'm already believing, receiving lies. I'm already under attack. No, it's not too late for you. All the more... You need to put on the armor of God and appropriate this to your life because the Bible actually says that the same way we combat the attack is the same way, the way that we combat the attack is the same way that we prevent the lies from taking hold with the truth. So here's how this works, okay? You, I just wanna give a couple examples here. You, you may hear a lie. Uh, it may come from an external source. It may be something that just kind of pops up in your mind. And here's an example. You may hear something like, or think something like, God's not going to love and forgive me after what I've done. It's the idea that I've run out of chances, somehow used up God's grace. The same lie may sound something like, God is mad at me or disappointed with me. Somebody say, that's a lie. How do we know that that's a lie? Because we got to know the truth. Here's the truth. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It is as simple as this. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another one here with this. God, from Romans 5, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, okay, while we were at our worst, God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. Listen, Christian, you need to know that Jesus took on the punishment for your sin. Any anger that God had towards your sin, he poured it out on Jesus. God is not mad or disappointed at you. He hates the destruction that your sin brings, but he doesn't hate you. Here's another lie that comes up for me sometimes. I'm not enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not successful enough, not good enough. My temperament is not the right thing. Another side of this coin is I'll never amount to anything. And that lie can come through all sorts of different places, right? It can come from people or teachers or coaches, bosses. Social media is a key proponent of this. Comparing ourselves to others. Listen, comparing ourselves to others, which is what is happening every time we're on social media, by the way, it always opens us up to lies. 
or maybe it'll just be planted in our mind. That is a lie. Somebody say, that's a lie. Because the truth is, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Listen, we're going to fail in a bunch of ways and most of us won't live up to all of our dreams, but that doesn't mean that you're not God's masterpiece. So when that thought, which is a lie, enters your mind, you need to turn to the enemy who's spitting that lie and say, no, no, I'm God's masterpiece. By the way, you don't have to yell at the devil. He's not afraid of the tone of your voice. He's afraid of truth. You can yell if you want to, but you don't have to. And you say to the devil, that's not true. I'm God's masterpiece. And he has wonderful things planned for me to do in this life. How about this tough? <laughs> this, this next one's tough. Woo, this one's tough. Okay. I have a right to not forgive or to hold a grudge. <laughs> Y'all say, ew. <laughs> Listen, that's actually a lie. We don't have a right to not forgive and to keep being angry. Bitterness, which is what unresolved anger is, actually gives a place to the devil in our lives and enslaves us. Truth always sets people free. Lies always enslave us. We need to combat that lie with the truth. Here's the truth. Do not let the sun go down on your anger for here it is. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because of this truth. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you, because Christ has forgiven us that truth, we are now free to not hold a grudge. We are not allowed to hold people's sin against them. Now, I'm not saying that when you forgive, that you need to start trusting that person. They may not be trustworthy. And I'm not saying your relationship is gonna be all perfect again, but you do need to release that person of what they have done to you because Christ has released us from all the sin that we have done toward him, which is all of our sin, by the way. I'll share one more that comes up for me from time to time. The lie is I'm gonna be abandoned or left alone. I have this really deep-seated, it almost sounds crazy to even say it out loud, lie that uh, I'm gonna be left or abandoned. And the Spirit showed me through a crazy time of prayer a couple years ago, and then it was coincidentally confirmed by a trauma therapist, which I liked the sequence of those events, that this particular lie roots back to some pretty gnarly trauma that I had in my childhood. Nobody told me this lie. Uh, the devil didn't make it up. It's part of what happens neurologically when you experience trauma at a young age. And because the trauma is still in me and working its way out, I, I can sometimes have an irrational fear that I'm going to be left. The enemy loves this. I want to point out something here that Satan is a squatter. He has power, but he has limited power. So he will capitalize on our weakness in order to exploit it, in order to increase the effectiveness of his limited power. So he didn't originate this lie in me, but he does capitalize on it. So he'll say, yeah, that's right. By the way, Satan doesn't speak like this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? He shows up and says, yeah, that's right. 
He's going to leave. She's going to leave. They're going to leave, and you're going to be all alone. Somebody say, Dom, that's a lie. It is a lie that I'm going to be abandoned. I'm alone. It's a lie for you too, because here's the truth. Jesus himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. The Lord says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. So then even if everyone on earth leaves me, the Lord is like, but I'm not going anywhere, dude. I am not going anywhere and you will not be alone. Listen, part of my broken humanity is that I live with this deep-seated, neurologically imprinted lie, which means that I need to regularly gird myself with these truths from scripture so that that lie cannot take hold in my life. For you, it may be something like other stuff. I don't belong I don't have a place. Nobody wants me. I'm not worth it. I'm not valuable enough. I'm stupid. I'm only valuable because of what I do. Or the comparison thing. Listen, comparison is a lie. You will always be able to find someone who is better than you and worse than you. The truth is, you're not the worst, and you're not the best. You are both more prone to do wrong than you could ever imagine and a more unique masterpiece, deeply loved and treasured than you could ever dream. That is the truth. The enemy will also lie to us about the identity of Jesus, which is so prevalent in our culture. It is critical that we identify that as a lie and guard against it by knowing the truth. Even as Paul wrote to Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me. Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So for every lie, there is a corresponding truth. The belt of truth means, to put on the belt of truth means that we uh, appropriate these truths to our lives by receiving, reading, receiving, and reciting that truth. Listen, reciting that truth until it becomes truer and louder than the lie that it opposes. So I'd like to ask, what lies are you susceptible to believing? I wanna encourage you, church, to identify those lies. How do you do that? by knowing the truth. As you are filled with God's truth, the lies will actually be exposed. It's like shining a flashlight into something that has a shadow covering it. You should also just ask the Lord, Lord, would you show me any lies that I have been believing? Some of you might have been walking in a little subtle lie that's keeping you in bondage for years and not even know because it's become so ingrained with who you are. Ask the Lord. You should also ask your Christian community or family, hey, is there anything in my life that you think I'm believing that is a lie that I, maybe dictates the way I live or think? And then once you identify it as a lie, bring that to Jesus and his word. Read your Bible. Listen to sermons that are preaching scripture. Listen to worship music that is full of truth. And then recite that truth by speaking and singing it, which is what we're gonna do in just a moment during the second set. And as we do these things, 
we will be able to stand firm in freedom against the wiles of the devil because Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for the power of your truth. Thank you for the reality that your truth sets people free. And I want to pray now specifically for your church, those who are gathered here today and listening online, that, Lord, you would identify lies, expose them, and reveal your truth that combats that lie. I pray in Jesus' name that lies that people have been believing for weeks or months or years would be broken right now. Thank you that I got to testify this happening in an unbelievably uh, huge situation this last week. I have seen you do it, and it is only by the power of your spirit. So we ask that you would do it now in people's lives here. Before we uh, sing this song, I let's just stay in this contemplative state. You can keep your eyes closed if you want or whatever. But let's just, man, I, I just want to say that um, as I was praying for you this morning, this phrase that Chad shared a couple weeks ago came to mind. Saved soul, wasted life. There is a lie that says, I've received Jesus at one point. Therefore, my, my life is going to be eternally meaningful and lasting. But it is possible to have a saved soul and a wasted life because we use everything in our life for purposes that, are not, that don't have eternal value. We are concerned with the things of this world, the temporary things, success or power, or just only earthly relationships that have no eternal value, whatever it is. But you have not actually ever maybe fully given your life to Jesus where you say, no, Lord, I want to follow you. I want every decision to come back to you. I want to do whatever you want to do. I'm surrendering all of my plans, all of my ideas, all of my money. That's a hard one. I'm surrendering it to you. I just want to follow you. Maybe you've never really said that, or maybe you said that at one point, but along the, the years, you've kind of drifted from that. Today, the Lord is saying to you, come back to a full, wholehearted following of me. That, guys, that is where the only freedom is. That is where the only lasting fruit is. That is where, the, where your life is meaningful. You can have a saved soul, but a wasted life. Listen, God does not want you to waste your life. It's not why he created and saved you. He didn't create you and save you to do all this stuff on earth that has no eternal value. He wants you to follow him with your whole life. And so I just want to ask, if that's you today, and you recognize that, and you are willing to take a step, one step toward Jesus that says, no, Lord, I want to follow you, would you just put up your hand saying to the Lord, I, I don't want to follow my own ways, I want to follow the Lord. 
Just keep it up. You see people everywhere. I don't want to follow my own ways anymore. I want to follow the Lord. Just put your hands high. The Lord sees that today. The Lord sees that. During the second set, I would encourage you to talk to the Lord about that. Go to the prayer team. Get prayer for what's happening in your heart. If you want to talk to someone, you can come talk to us. We have a ministry team that will maybe come find you. They would love to pray and talk for you. And lastly, before we sing this song, I just want to say this, that the other lie I felt like as I was praying for you this morning was uh, it's two sides of the same coin, but one part of it says, dude, I'm a really good person. Surely all of my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. Surely I don't need a savior. Listen, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works with God. God's law is perfect and nobody meets up to his perfect standard. Even our most righteous deeds are like filthy rags to him. And if you have broken one point of God's perfect law, the Bible says you've broken it all. That means if you just told one little lie, lusted after one little person or thing that's not yours. You have broken all of God's law. You are guilty before him. And the only way to be made right with God is not by doing good deeds, but by putting your trust in Jesus who died on the cross to forgive you of that sin. Those wrong things, the Bible calls that sin, to forgive you of your sin. That is the only way you can be made right with God. The flip side of that coin is the person here today who says, dude, I've done so much wrong. I I I don't think God could take me like this. I don't think he would want me like this. Let me just clean up my act first. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Let me just clean up my act and then I'll start following Jesus. That's not in the Bible. You don't clean up your act and then start following Jesus. You start following Jesus and then he'll clean up your act. And today he says, come just as you are. If you're that person today or some other slew of reason, you're like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to choose to follow Jesus today. And you didn't already raise your hand. Can you just slip up your hand so the Lord sees it? Just raise your hand if you're like, I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn to Jesus. I see you. I want to follow Jesus. Is there anybody else? Today is the day of salvation. Stop relying on your own work. Stop hiding under your shame. Jesus says, come out. Come into my kingdom. Is there anybody? Raise your hand. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. Yeah, I see you. Yep, I see you, brother. Yes. Yes. God, I pray for these people right now that you would come invade them with your love. If you just raise your hand right now, just say something to God like this in your heart. God, I need you. I know that I've messed up. I need to be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come and live inside of me. I give you my life. Amen. As we worship now, the prayer team will be on the right and the left. If you've been believing lives or you're struggling with anything, I would encourage you to get prayer with them. They're wearing green shirts. They would love to pray for you about anything. It is powerful when we speak out those lies and ask for help from the body of Christ. I would encourage you to get help. If you're struggling in your marriage or in your family, you're a high school kid and you're like, dude, I can't forgive my my parents. My parents, this happened. Me and my parents got divorced. 
I can't forgive my dad. I can't forgive my mom. These people would love to pray for you and bring you to the feet of Jesus. If you're struggling with a decision in your life, they would love to pray for you. They're wearing green shirts to my right and left by the prayer team signs. Let us respond to God now for his goodness.